Are you amongst the Bible readers who've come across a very challenging and intimidating passage about the unforgivable sin? Jesus himself spoke of this terrible action that offered no chance of forgiveness before God. Hello, I'm Christine Darg, and in this program I want to share with you the serious subject of the unforgivable, or as it's sometimes called, the unpardonable sin. No matter how many times it's addressed, this topic seems to come up very frequently and causes a certain amount of fear in decent people because the godless, hardened sinner doesn't seem to care about the unforgivable sin. And that's what it's all about. It's about ultimate rejection of God and the overtures of His Holy Spirit to redeem a person. So I hope as a result of this exploration, the whole matter of the unforgivable sin will be cleared up in your mind. You see, this Bible is the manufacturer's handbook, and so it's the only reliable authority on matters of life and death. During his earthly ministry, Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, faced great opposition from religious leaders. And since the disciple is not above the master, we will also receive opposition when we speak the truth. So we may as well accept that harsh reality and know the Word of God on essential doctrines. Yeshua faced stiff opposition from the scribes in Jerusalem who accused him of sorcery. And also the members of the Pharisees, along with the political party, the Herodians, joined forces to plot to kill Yeshua. Now, as we open the Gospel of Mark chapter 3, Yeshua, full of love and compassion, enters again into a synagogue in the Galilee. And in the congregation, there's a man with a withered hand. And Yeshua's detractors were also there, watching like a hawk, to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. They were looking for an excuse to accuse him. And so Yeshua singled out the man with a withered hand and told him to stand up. The Lord looked around at the people and he asked, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? But nobody said anything. So the Bible says Yeshua was grieved at the hardness of their hearts. But he turned to the man and commanded him to stretch forth his hand. The man did, and his withered hand was restored. It was an instant miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this. Yeshua is Lord of the Sabbath, and he demonstrated that it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Well, the Pharisees went out in a huff, and they took counsel together with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Meanwhile, Yeshua withdrew to the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and a great multitude followed to the point that he decided to teach from a little boat, using it as a floating pulpit, because otherwise the crowd would have thronged him. They wanted to touch him because so many demons were being cast out of people by him, 
And the demons, when they came out, they cried, You're the Son of God. You see, Yeshua's ministry demonstrated his superiority over the devil's kingdom. He was constantly conquering devils, and he expects his followers to do likewise. Now, picking up in uh, verse 22, it says that the scribes who came down from Jerusalem slandered Yeshua. They claimed he was in league with the prince of demons and that he was casting out demons by the power of Satan. And so Yeshua said bluntly, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom can't stand. And he said, if Satan rises up against Satan, he's divided and can't stand. Now let's look at verses 28 and 30, and, and I'm going to read them from the New King James Version. Assuredly, Yeshua said, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said, he has an unclean spirit. So, on this occasion, Yeshua mentioned an unforgivable sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, for which he said there's no forgiveness. The same teaching is found in the Gospel of Matthew. In this instance, starting with verse 22 of Matthew chapter 12, Yeshua healed a demon-possessed man who was both blind and a mute. This was a spectacular miracle because instantly the man could both see and talk. Yeshua demonstrated once again his mastery over the powers of darkness. And all the lay people were astonished and said to themselves, Is this the son of David? But the religious leaders were jealous, and so they snarled, it's only by the prince of demons, Beelzebub, that this fellow drives out demons. Well, Yeshua knew their thoughts and clearly pointed out the absurdity of their slander. Because again, he said that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself cannot stand. And he said, if Satan drives out Satan, He's divided against himself. So how can his kingdom stand? However, Yeshua said very forcefully, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Furthermore, he said that whoever was not with him was against him, and whoever didn't gather with him would be scatterers. And so Yeshua solemnly warned them that every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But he said, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He said, anyone who speaks a word against himself, the Son of Man, will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in that age or in the age to come. Now, those are very serious, terrifying words, aren't they? And many have been troubled. 
And I'm telling you, Satan also tortures people because they wonder if somehow against their own will, perhaps they've committed the sin that never has forgiveness. So what we need to do is clarify and identify exactly what was this unforgivable sin and what heart condition caused it. Also in the Gospel of Luke, Yeshua described the unforgivable sin as blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So first of all, what does blaspheme actually mean? According to the dictionary, blaspheme means to speak evil against, to rail at, to revile in an irreverent manner. You see, by attributing Yeshua's power to Satan, the religious rulers spoke against the Holy Spirit by whom Yeshua was casting out the demons. This was baseless hatred and blasphemy against God, the Holy Spirit. So in effect, the religious leaders, who surely should have known better, were calling the excellent, righteous, compassionate Holy Spirit of God a demon. And by labeling the Holy Spirit demonic, it's only logical that they were self-condemned. Why? Well, by denying the miraculous evidence that Yeshua was truly from God, they therefore deprived themselves of the evidence to believe in Him, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so they condemned themselves. Can you see that? They cut themselves off from believing the truth. So to summarize so far, the unforgivable sin was consistently and adamantly misrepresenting the Holy Spirit as Satan. To reject Messiah and then claim his works were satanic was clear evidence of both unbelief and unrepentant hearts. That's why this transgression was considered unpardonable. Well, that was nearly 2,000 years ago, but can this eternal sin be committed today? In my research, according to the Believer's Bible Commentary, people who worry that they've committed the unpardonable sin haven't done so. The very fact that they're concerned indicates they're not guilty of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You see, a person who's concerned about it has probably never committed the sin. But the religious leaders who committed it in the Bible were not in the least bit concerned about Jesus' warning. Do you see the difference? Protestant interpreters generally agree that a person who's committed the sin is no longer able to repent. So a person, on the other hand, who is fearful that they may have committed the unpardonable sin has not done so. In our day and age, is there a danger of going past the point of no return in committing sin? The New Testament mentions that there's a sin by which we can crucify again the Son of God. Let's, let's look at it in Hebrews chapter 6, 4 to 6. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, 
to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. This passage is referring to a backsliding sin for which there is no longer a sacrifice for sin. And so there's no hope for forgiveness. So please note that it describes an ongoing sin, sort of a permanent state of backsliding or a condition of permanent rebellion against God. Well, these New Testament words are very sobering and we have to take up the full counsel of God and not always just say God is love, God is love. We also have to consider another passage in Hebrews chapter 10 verses 28 to 29 where there's a big warning against treating the living, sacrificial, holy blood of the covenant of Yeshua with contempt as if it were a common thing. I'm going to read that scary passage to you right now from Hebrews 10, verses 28 to 29. Anybody who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy, the Bible says, on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment, do you suppose, will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot counting the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulting the spirit of grace. Sobering. So you see, to lightly disregard the precious blood of the covenant and thus holding Yeshua's blood in contempt, the Bible says insults the spirit of grace. So this is a dangerous spiritual condition that, if left unchecked, can result in grave consequences. Well, what can we conclude so far? If you've been with us so far, I'm Christine Darg, and I want to welcome, welcome you to the Exploits program because today many people worry about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're discussing in this program. It's a very serious sin indeed. But if you worry about it, that indicates that your conscience is tender towards the Holy Spirit. And so you're certainly not guilty of this eternal sin. Because the sin that we're discussing is basically one of rejecting God and rejecting the Holy Spirit's testimony. In fact, we should be more concerned about any sin that we knowingly commit or stubbornly refuse to abandon. Because when you think about it, all sins are unforgivable unless we repent. Isn't that ultimately true? You see, if we die in our sins and our sins haven't been pardoned, then all of our sins would be ultimately, technically unforgiven. Think about that. In order for our sins to be forgiven, covered, atoned for, blotted out, we must repent now in this lifetime and look by faith to the living blood of Jesus to wash us free from the guilt stains of sin. The book of Romans in the New Testament teaches that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. 
So are we willing to allow the goodness of God to lead us to repentance? Now then, I think we can take this study further by examining the other sins against the Holy Spirit mentioned in the Bible. And these are sins that are forgivable, but they're nevertheless dangerous. So we need to be careful. We need to study these. We need to know them, know the word, and walk in a holy manner before God moment by moment. Because of the Holy Spirit's constant activity in this world, it's possible for us to sin against the Holy Spirit by resisting the Holy Spirit, by quenching the Spirit, by grieving the Spirit, by insulting the Spirit, and heaven forbid, by blaspheming the Spirit. Lest we be guilty of sinning against the Holy Spirit, let's examine these various sins and their degrees mentioned in the Bible. First of all, there is the sin of resisting the Spirit. That's spiritually foolish. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, Stephen, the first Christian martyr, rebuked the religious people in his generation for resisting the Holy Spirit. He said they always resisted the Spirit by persecuting the prophets who predicted Messiah's coming. People today can still resist the Holy Spirit every time they refuse to believe the testimonies and the prophecies written in the Bible and refusing to obey the gospel and to believe in Yeshua as Savior and Healer. When you sense the Holy Spirit dealing with you, don't resist Him. Yield to Him. We can train ourselves to be sensitive more and more to the Holy Spirit. And secondly, quenching the Spirit is another sin mentioned in the Bible. What does it mean to quench the Spirit? To quench means to extinguish, to put out, to stifle, to stop. The Apostle Paul gave a succinct warning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. He said, quench not the Spirit. And I like the NIV translation. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. And do you know also that we can grieve the Holy Spirit? That's another sin against the Holy Spirit. If you grieve somebody, you offend them and make them sad and sorrowful. Paul's warning is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. He said, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Since the Holy Spirit, when we believe in Yeshua, dwells, he comes and lives within our mortal bodies. We are the temple of God. We can sense the Holy Spirit shrinking and, and shying away from any ill conduct or corrupt, common, coarse speech. King David cried out to God in the Psalms not to take his spirit from him. It's often said that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he leaves when insulted or the atmosphere is displeasing. And if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you can tell when His presence just lifts like a gentle dove flying away because people have become profane or 
unruly or ribald. He leaves. And we must repent to get his presence back. There are degrees of sinning against the Spirit, and even more dangerous is if we sin by insulting the Spirit of God. I mentioned that in Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, that verse in 29, where the writer of the Hebrews warned that we can do despite to the Spirit of grace. Another English translation of, of that thought renders that verse, the Spirit of grace can be outraged. Wow. The context pertains to willful sin and conduct that disregards the precious blood of the Messiah, considering it as a common thing. And God says if we do that, it will result in a fearful and fiery judgment from God. So this is a warning that people who profess to be believers can become deceived and hardened by sin to the point that they insult the Spirit through outrageous conduct and slander against the Spirit. So Yeshua's words and works were a clear evidence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in and through him as the anointed one, as the Messiah of the Bible. But a heart can become so hard against Yeshua and against this word that repentance isn't possible. One theologian has noted that sins against the Holy Spirit can lead progressively into apostasy. You see, resisting the Spirit can lead to quenching the Spirit, and quenching the Spirit can lead to grieving the Spirit, and ultimately can even lead to insulting the Spirit. And so we have to watch out that, heaven forbid, we would ever become so hardened that insulting the Spirit would lead to blaspheming the Spirit, a condition where forgiveness is not possible. In case you haven't watched this teaching from the beginning, let me review quickly and ask the question again. What is the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is attributing the power of Yeshua to an unclean spirit, as happened in Mark chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 12. It's ascribing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Jesus said all blasphemies will be forgiven, even blasphemies against himself. But why is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit unforgivable? This is the reason. When somebody concludes that Yeshua's power is demonic, that person has clearly rejected the evidence which produces saving faith in Yeshua. Therefore, the blasphemer has rejected the efforts of God to save him from his sins through the atonement of Yeshua. So when someone is hardened and is willing to believe that Yeshua was in league with the devil, saving faith in the Savior is just not possible. I want to repeat that again because I want to be sure you understand when somebody is willfully hardened and declares that Yeshua is in league with the devil, saving faith in the Savior is simply not possible. But suppose you've been tempted with dark thoughts against the Holy Spirit. Suppose the devil has wanted to torment you and cause you to lose your assurance of your salvation by 
tempting you to have blasphemous thoughts against the Holy Spirit, to try to get you to go to hell. But I want to assure you, having dark thoughts and struggles in your mind doesn't mean you sinned the unpardonable sin. Satan will attempt to deceive you in this area. He'll try to torment you because demons are mean and vicious. But don't believe his lies for a second. Every person who genuinely loves God and believes in the gospel and clings to Messiah by faith has not sinned the unpardonable sin. Even if Satan has tempted you with dark thoughts, always have the presence of mind to rebuke demonic thoughts in the name of Yeshua. What does the Bible say after all? It says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So in conclusion, how can committing the unforgivable sin be prevented? We walk carefully in the power of the Holy Spirit, making sure that we're not guilty of grieving Him, we're not quenching the Spirit or sliding into any of the sins against the Holy Spirit. And we're careful not to reject the testimony of the Spirit, for He's the one who testifies of Yeshua. If we reject the Holy Spirit, we can reject and neglect the Lord's great salvation. I don't want you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He's so very precious. He's described in the New Testament as the Comforter, the person of the Godhead who stays with us 24-7 and guides us into all truth. I hope this program has helped you to see that the Holy Spirit is God's precious gift to us but he mustn't be mocked or insulted. I'd like to pray with you right now for you to have assurance that you haven't committed the unpardonable sin and that you are saved. Because if the devil has been telling you that, I assure you it's a lie from the pit of hell. If you love God, the Holy Spirit cares for you. We're precious to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Yeshua to die for us on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because he is a forgiving Lord. Thank you that you have forgiven me of all of my sins. You have sent me the Holy Spirit whom I receive. And I thank you that he witnesses that because I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. And you shall be saved if you've called upon the name of the Lord with me. Well, thank you for watching this edition of Exploits. We believe revealing this truth is part of the gospel, and if you would like to watch our library of other programs, you can visit our website at www.exploits.tv, where you can also request a free copy of our beautiful color magazine, Exploits, and you can learn about our prayer conferences in the Holy Land. Until next time, I'm Christine Darg, reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom.